I know we've been over the last several months going through the book of Romans and uh, just felt led to go away from that just for a couple of weeks. Last week we talked about overcoming fear and it's kind of amazing to me. I thought it was really interesting in fact that probably in the last year that was probably got the most comments of any message I've preached in last year. And so many people said that was the best message I've heard in months and months. And if that really is the case, that reminds me that many people are struggling with the same things. Fear. And one thing that I mentioned last week is that it seems like, at least to me in my mind, that as we were looking at the things that people fear the most, well, first of all, they were the same things that the unsaved world fears. Well, I can understand if the unsaved world is having those fears. They're going through life alone. But for us as a child of God, we have Jesus Christ within us, right? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it doesn't matter where we go, Psalm 139. It doesn't matter where we go, he's there because <laughs> he's omnipresent, even though we said that the devil is not. Uh, if you look at Hebrews 4, he said, all things are naked and open before him. That means that we can hide nothing from him. But once again, that means that he sees everything. He knows what we're going through. He knows the very struggles that we're facing. And if you look at Romans 8, 28, 29, all things work together for his good. So all these things that we look around us and say, wow, how can this be good? How can these things be right? We're not saying that they're always biblically right, but what we're saying is that God is working through all of them. We're going to see that this morning as we look at Scripture, that God has got his hand on everything, in everything. I'm just telling you. He knows what's taking place, and we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. But the reality is, is no matter what's happening, God knows about it. He knows He's very well aware of everything that is happening and taking, and taking place in our lives. And therefore, we have to trust Him, right? And so we should not be fearing the same things that the world fears because we have Jesus with us. And so I want to build on that this week in talking about prayer. And so the title of the message is simply pray always. Pray always. In fact, I just want to look at one text of Scripture, one verse. Well, I'm going to look at lots of Scriptures, you know me. But I want to start off with a springboard of one verse out of a big text. And uh, those of you that also know me, I like to go by textual and get, you know, the, the main text and get, the, get everything that's in the context. But I'm not looking at all the parables. But in Luke chapter 18... The entire context is really the first eight verses, but I'm only going to look at verse 1. It says, Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Pretty simple, right? I mean, he really says, I mean, I'm going to teach everybody here in this parable that really two things. Pray, don't lose heart. Pretty simple, right? Okay, end of message, just go home. Pray, don't forget, pray. Don't lose heart either. Let's go. You say, is there really more to it than that? Yes and no. Yes, there's some things that we're going to consider and couple that with some other verses, but the reality is he just says what? Don't stop praying and don't lose heart. Why? Because we serve a God who is in control of all of it. And we're going to see that. Well, let's look, take a moment and just pray and ask God's blessing on the message, and then we'll continue in this idea of not losing heart, and praying all the time. Lord God, as we come before You, I ask that You would just speak to us through Your Word. 
Lord, I pray that you control my thoughts, my words. May they be clear. May they be yours. And I ask, God, that you would challenge us, Lord, to be people of prayer. Lord, not just talk about it, not just agree with it, but to actually do it. And I pray, God, that you would just, once again, as I prayed earlier, Lord, bring conviction where conviction is needed. Because there are many people, Lord, who talk about prayer, who agree with that fact that we ought to be praying, but, Lord, they know in their hearts they're not doing it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bring conviction. And, Lord, for those who are truly people of prayer, I pray that you'd encourage them to keep doing it and not to stop. And we'll praise you for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he says in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Why is it that we all know and understand theoretically, and maybe even factually, the importance of prayer, but spend so little time doing it? You say, Pastor, how do you know that? I'm making an assumption because I know the difficulty of prayer. Uh, I remember many times as I was even a Bible college student that as one of my professors said, hey, I want you to just go out in the field and get along with God and pray. And I remember the first moments as I was learning to pray. You say, well, did you really have to learn? Yes, because I think so many of us are in that same category of we throw up a Hail Mary, we throw up a blessing prayer before a meal, but do we really spend time in prayer? And I remember my professor saying, just get alone with God, grab a tablet, and just ask God to show you. Lord, just pray something like, God, if there be any wicked way in me, show me so I can get it right. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. And all of a sudden my page began to fill up with things that he was reminding me of that I needed to deal with. And so God gave me the ability and his patience and his long-suffering and his forbearance to deal with those things that I had not dealt with. But I can remember learning how to pray and as getting alone with God, and I'm like, I'm in, I'm, I mean, I'm in this praying mode. I mean, I was a praying machine. And I'm praying for everything I can possibly think of. Any person I'd ever met that came to my mind. I mean, I was, any circumstance that I'd ever heard of. And I look up, it's like been 15 minutes. And I'm like, really? I just prayed for everything I could possibly think of under the sun, and it's like 15 minutes. Yeah, praying machine, not. I think so many of us have the idea that we are doing more than we really are. And so we need to be reminded that we need to be people of prayer. I think it's we fail to realize our dependency upon God. We kind of get up, we do our thing. Let's be honest. Let's just, let's just two hands and a foot be honest. Because the reality is that we think we're better than we are. We get up in the morning. If you're like most of us, you know, you... You, you kind of walk through the kitchen, you throw some coffee on the coffee pot, and then you make your way to the shower, and on the way back through, you grab your coffee, get dressed, and the day starts. And where did God fit in all this? I mean, really, how much time did we really... And you said, well, Pastor, is it really about how much time you spend with God? I mean, I mean, are we supposed to spend 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day? I mean, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? Rhetorical question, because we know the answer to that. It's not in a matter of minutes or a matter of hours, though some people prayed more than others in history. Martin Luther say, used to say, I have so much to do today. In fact, he says, I have so much to do today that I must start the first four hours in prayer. I have never spent a four-hour section nonstop. I can't imagine sitting there for four hours praying for the entire four hours. That's beyond me. 
But I also can say that I realize more now than ever that I need God. I need to be talking with Him, communicating with Him. Do we fail to realize how dependent we are upon Him in our day-to-day living? Do we fail to see the relevance of God because of unanswered prayer? You know, so many of us have the attention span of a toddler. I mean, we pray for a minute and we ask God to do this and we want immediate results. I mean, we live in an immediate society, right? That's why we have microwaves. You don't want to cook something. Nuke a hot dog rather than put in a boiling pan of water, right? 30 seconds, it blows up the size of kingdom come. But you know, you have to wait 10 minutes for the water to boil. We don't do that. We want things now. That's why we go to fast food. That's why we do everything in a hurry, instant. Lens crafters, one hour, get my glasses, and we're willing to pay more for it because we want things now. But the reality is, when we pray and we don't get an immediate response, how often do we continue to pray? Or is that yesterday's news? How often can we really honestly say, I've been praying something day after day, hour after hour, week after week, month after month, year after year, for years, and God finally answered. I don't know how many of us, I mean, there's a few of those things that we pray for, but it's so infrequent for the whole of the body of Christ. I think God gets the leftovers in this area. I wish I could say I'm wrong or I really don't believe that, but I do believe that. Because we don't pray as we ought. Then there's work, school, sports, children, neighbor, friends, hobbies, and various other uh, interests that, that call for our demands of our time. So much of our time. And finally, everything that is taking place around us. (laughs) Wow. Leadership issues. On the federal level, my goodness, have you ever seen an absence of leadership? State level, those in governmental authority, what an absence of leadership. How about in our news and our media outlets? What an absence of leadership. But what's... Do we pray about it? I don't know about you, I'm just speaking for myself for just a moment, but maybe you can relate. Isn't it extremely easy to get discouraged? Unless you know who's in control. Unless you know who's in control. I get so frustrated this last week with everything that's happening. I, I, I Honestly, I know this sounds absolutely crazy, but I want to go to Afghanistan. I just, I know it's, it's ridiculous, right? I want to go. I want to go. I want to do something, but you can't. But the one thing you can do? Thank you. The one thing we can do is pray. Say, Pastor, you're crazy. I I know I am. I've I've been saying it for years. You know, you're starting to see it. I want to go. I want to load up the ARs and go. I'll go fight for them. I don't care. I want to do something, but I can't. I feel like so much of what happens around us, you are literally physically tied up from doing anything and our dependency upon things changing is on people who won't make the change so the only thing you can do and can do effectively is pray i'm frustrated by that because prayer takes time and energy and effort let me just say this, when I pray for, I have a list of all the guys in the church. All the men and boys in the entire church. If you've been here more than once or twice, your name's on that list. I promise you it is. 
And let me just say this. As I pray through that list, I will simply just simply name your name and one thing about, that, about you on that list, and I lift you before God. For me to go through that entire list, just mentioning your name, men. Say, women, are you getting left out? Sorry. <laughs> praying for the men. I'm praying for the spiritual leadership of the church. There's not, I, I can honestly say, looking around here, except for one or two of you that are just brand, brand new, I pray for you every, every week. I pray through that list. Just to name your name and one thing about it, it's over two hours. Two hours. Prayer takes time. And then all the other things we pray about. I have 30 different pastors on there, 30 different ministries and missionaries on there that I pray for. It takes time. And I have to make an effort to do it. But Luke 18.1 says, At all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. And it's extremely easy to get discouraged unless you know who's in control. So let me just give you several verses that kind of talk about this all times matter. First one is you know it. It's nothing new under the sun. You've heard it 8 million times in your life. But 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. I mean, how do we, I mean, what does that really mean? I mean, we talk about that, we hear about it, but what does it really mean? Pray without ceasing. That means I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to grab my coffee, I'm going to sit down, and dear Lord Jesus, oh shoot, it's been four minutes. Um, let's see, yeah, my neighbor, oh yeah, my neighbors, got to pray for my neighbors. And so Lord be with, and, and Lord be with my coworkers, and, oh shoot, we're up to six minutes. Um, Lord, um, be with the guard, yeah. Is that what it's talking about? No. It's really not. How do we pray without ceasing? What does that really even mean? What is, it, what, is, how, what, what is God saying when He says pray without ceasing? Let me give you some ways that we can do this. I'm going to give you at least eight or nine. We'll see how far we get. Number one, begin with being thankful. I don't know about you, but we have so much to be thankful for. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. If we just start in the morning or throughout the day or before we go to bed or whatever it is that we pray throughout the day, every time we are encountered with something that God has done, be thankful for it. How many of you slept in a nice warm bed last night? Oh, I'm telling you, it was too warm. There was somebody on Facebook says, How many of y'all are willing to admit that you sleep with an air conditioner on and a fan all winter? I said, not only do I sleep with an air conditioner and a fan, and, and, but in the winter, the window was open this much with a fan in front of it. I mean, I like my room just about icicle cold. I would rather put a ton of blankets on and sleep in nice cold room than heat. But I'm just telling you, that bed feels nice. When's the last time we thank God for the roof over our head? Seriously. So wouldn't that just be a trivial, Pastor? Maybe. But when's the last time you thanked Him for it? Or that cup of coffee that you had money to buy. Or the job that you had to give you the money to buy the cup of coffee or all the food that you eat. When's the last time you thank God for your kids, your family members, your spouse? When's the last time that you literally just sat down and said, God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my husband. Thank you that they're healthy. Thank you, God, for my children. Thank you, God, for this job. Thank you, God, for this country that we live in where it is still, even with all the garbage going on, the best country under the sun. 
When's the last time we were thankful for these things? People that gripe, they had to spend like three nights in the middle of India somewhere in the middle of an interior village. People who gripe about this had to go over to Kenya and go watch the kids digging through the trash junk to find a bottle to put water in, which is, by the way, dirty. You want to gripe and complain, go to some of these other places and realize just how good you've got it. Be thankful. It's so easy to gripe and complain. I'm, I'm guilty of it. But it's so easy to look everywhere around us and see everything that's not right and to focus on it and to gripe about it and complain about it. And remember, and I'm guilty of this, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you because I'm one of you. But the reality is, remember what he says in, in, in the book of Exodus? He says, your murmuring and your griping is not against me, but against God. And every time we gripe and complain, we're doing it saying, God, you're not doing good enough here. Sorry, but you're just not cutting it. Think about it. Are we thankful people? He says we ought to enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. What has God done for you today that you ought to just sit, take a moment and pray to Him and say, God, thank You for doing this in my life. Thank You for giving me this family and for this vehicle and for this home and for this food and for everything you have and just start naming things and say, God, thank You. If I haven't said thank You for it, God, thank You for it. When's the last time we've done that? If you will do that, you'll look at your watch and you'll say, wow, it's been 20 minutes. And I haven't even touched the surface of what I could be thankful for. Colossians chapter two, 4, verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Question. Are you devoted to prayer? I hope you are. Not just a moment in the morning. But throughout the day, saying as things, once again, pray without ceasing, throughout the day, when we are encountering things that God has done for us, Lord, thank you. I appreciate this. God, thank you for allowing me to do this. God, thank you for allowing me to have this. God, thank you for these people in my life. Just throughout the day, being thankful. Because I'm devoted to prayer and watchful and thanksgiving. Number two, do we pray about our day and as we go about our day. Lord, I remember years ago seeing this thing on a poster board somewhere and it says, Lord, so far today I haven't yelled at anybody. I haven't gotten any arguments. I haven't had a bad attitude yet. God, I haven't had any wrong thoughts, but I'm about to get out of bed and I need your help. (laughs) The reality is some days we know what's about to come. And we know what we're about to face. And we know who we're going to be facing it with. And those don't bring the most pleasant thoughts to our minds, right? Because there's just some people that really try your patience and some people that God has in your life to teach you that patience that you really say, wow. And God says, yeah, you need it. And I'm going to bring so-and-so into your life to help you learn it. But do we pray about our day and pray as you go about your day? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the Spirit, and to this end being on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. He says being on the alert. What am I on the alert for? What does that even mean? Are you prepared for the things that God's going to allow into your life that day? Are you ready for them because you're prayed up, geared up, ready to face it with the Lord's help? He says, in the Spirit, by the way. Because in your flesh, you will fail. 
in your flesh, you will not have what it takes to overcome. Trust me. If we're all honest with ourselves, we cannot do it in our flesh. That's why he says, with all prayer and petition, in the Spirit. And to this end, in the Spirit, in that end, being on the alert. And then he says, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Then he says, with all the saints. Petition for all the saints. Let's be honest. Because you and God know the truth. When's the last time you prayed for your fellow saints around you? Just asking the question, throwing it out there. I mean, I'm not talking about that one close friend that you really like and are really buddy-buddy with. But I mean, your fellow saints. Seriously. When's the last time you've prayed for them? Because that's what it says here. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. For the believers. For those that know Jesus. Are you praying for one another? Because there's strength in numbers. There is strength in the Spirit. You can do this with the help of the Holy Spirit. But on your own, you can't. And we need each other to be praying for each other. And if we can't do that to the, in the body of Christ, where are we going to do that? We should be praying for one another. Every time I make an announcement about somebody who needs prayer, we ought to all take note of that. We ought to pray for the Conleys as they move back to Illinois. And for their daughter, she's starting school in a whole new area and whole new friends and all this. We ought to pray for John as he's getting ready to jump and he shares his faith and tells me that the gospel would go out. We ought to pray for one another that's going through sickness and illness and cancer. We ought to be lifting each other up. Are we praying for one another in the body of Christ? Are we lifting each other up daily? He says with perseverance. In other words, it's not just once, it's not just twice, it's nonstop, it's continuous. We're to continue to pray with perseverance for each other in the body of Christ. That's what he says here. So as we're going about our day, we pray about the day. We pray as we're going throughout the day for each other. Here's another one. Amidst waiting and wandering. How many people like to wait? I hate waiting. I don't want to sit there and hurry up and wait, as we say. I want things to happen. Boom. Done. Over. Anybody else? Suffering. I hate suffering. There's a couple of us that have been going through... I mean, Mike, it's not fair that he's out doing jumping jacks after two shoulder surgeries. That's just wrong. Hans, you've enjoyed the shoulder pain lately? Just... Thank you, God, for the pain, right? I haven't enjoyed it. My foot that's been hurting, I have not enjoyed it. Suffering. The waiting. The wandering. I hate it. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Then he must pray. When's the last time we really just said, Lord, I don't feel good, but God, it's nothing compared to what you went through. Lord God, I don't like the pain, but I'm sure it's nothing compared to what you've faced on the cross. But he says, if you're suffering, pray. It doesn't say it's just a good idea. He says, wait, is anyone among you suffering? Then he, what's the next word? Must pray. <laughs> Let him pray. Legs, he says, must pray. It says, is anyone cheerful? He's to sing praises. Let, let me just say this. Prayer and praises go hand in hand. 
So some of you that like to come to church every week and just go. Did you see so-and-so? They raised their hand. Bad hand. Can't, can't worship. Come on. Are we still in that mode? Worship the Lord. If you've got a reason to praise, praise. What are we afraid of? What are, you, what, what are you afraid of? It says, is anyone cheerful? He has to sing praises. You know what the word praise means? Boast. Boast. When's the last time you boasted in something God did? Once again, that gets back to praying because we're boasting in what Jesus has done, what God has done. To praise means to boast in. Who do we boast to? See, if we got a favorite team that beat another team that's a favorite team of someone else that we know, we like to rub it in and boast that our team's better than their team. We boast to those who are closest to. We boast to those that we want to know the real truth, right? But when do we boast in what Jesus has done? If you're saved... If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, guess what? Everything we're facing in this world is going to come to an end. Did you know that? How many knew that? Right! It's going to be past. It's going to be over. In fact, if you live 100 years, you're still just a little on this timeline of eternity. This is all going to end, and we're one day going to spend eternity in heaven, and none of this garbage is going to be up there. Isn't that going to be exciting? When's the last time we thought, Lord, thank you. I get to go to heaven someday. That's exciting, right? For some of you. Um, (laughs) Wow. Here's another time to pray without ceasing. When you fail and sin. I don't know about you, and I've said it a million times over the last 11 years that you've heard me. It only takes a millisecond to sin. You saw something and had a wrong thought. You saw something and said something stupid in response to what you said. And it, just as fast as it comes out of your mouth, you're like, oh, why did I say that? Why didn't I just keep my mouth shut? Because we're proud and arrogant and selfish. And our flesh is wicked. And our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And who can even know it? All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. That's why we do it. It only takes a millisecond to have a wrong thought, to have a wrong attitude, to have a wrong word. But here's the beautiful thing. As soon as it comes out of our mouth, we can pray about it. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, how do we do that? Prayer. As we're going about our days, Lord, man, I was just in conversation with somebody. I said some things I shouldn't have said. God, please forgive me. And God, I pray as I go to them, Lord, that they would forgive me, Lord, and that they would understand, Lord, I didn't mean it. And then you go to that person and say, I was sorry, I shouldn't have said it. Would you forgive me? You say, is that necessary? Yeah, it is. I'm just telling you, there's days that I just don't feel like doing certain things. And then someone will say, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, ugh. Yep. 
I used to say the definition of obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with a right heart attitude. Yeah, so last night I had to go to Andrea and my wife say, I'm sorry, I opened my mouth, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And of course, Andrea and Don both said, you're forgiven. Yeah, we need to do that. Sometimes you need to show a little bit of humility, humble yourself, eat your pride, and say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. Not only to God, but to those that you've offended and sinned against. How often are we willing to confess our sins, knowing that He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, but the forgiveness and the cleansing doesn't come until you pray and confess it. You don't get the, conf- the, the forgiveness without the confession. He's faithful, but we need to pray. So as we're going about our day, as we're praying without ceasing, Lord, I just had some wrong thoughts. I just had some wrong actions. God, would you forgive me? It doesn't have to be at morning. It doesn't have to be at night. It's as you're going about your day. Taking time to pray. Here's another one. In times of need. Anybody have times of need? Fill in the blank what it might be, but everyone has times of need, right? What does Philippians 4, 6 say? Be anxious for certain things. Be anxious for the difficult things. Be anxious for the really big things. Be anxious for the deadly things. Be anxious for the things that you don't enjoy. Right? That's what it says, right? You fill in the blank. It's kind of, you know, smorgasbord Christianity. You just kind of take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, not so much of that. Right? He says be anxious for what? Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So in times of need, we have a God that we can go to. In fact, if we were to take the time to go through the rest of chapter 18, verses 2 through 7, or 2 through 8, you'd see the qualification. He says, just keep asking. Because your Father knows that you have need of them. He's going to take care of it. And then another area is to pray for our leaders. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be the President of the United States to save my life. I wouldn't want to be the governor of New York to save my life. I don't even want to be in politics to save my life. I don't want the scrutiny of that, those positions. Because I don't care what side you land on, on any deal under the sun, you're going to get constant scrutiny. You're not going to please everybody. In fact, you're going to most likely please most of nobody. You can't win. But for those that are there, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, whether you think they're doing a good job or not, listen to what 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says. First of all, then, I exhort that petitions and prayers, requests and thanksgiving be made for all men and for kings and all who are in authority. Let's be honest for a minute. When's the last time you prayed for our president? I don't agree with him. I don't think he's doing a good job. But we have to pray for him. Our governor, I wouldn't want him to be in his shoes, but he needs prayer. He needs Jesus. All these on local levels, I don't even know most of them, but they need our prayers. They have, they're, they're responsible and they will stand before God like I will as a pastor. 
But when's the last time we prayed for those around us? First of all, it says, first of all, I exhort that petitions and prayers, requests and thanksgivings be made for all men. Not just certain men, not just some men, not for most men, but all men. When we come in contact with people throughout the day, just pray for them. You see that they're going through a difficult time, pray for them. You see that they're doing really well and successful, God, pray for them because they need prayer. But for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in the godliness and dignity. While I don't know how many of those people in political leadership lead a tranquil and quiet life because even if it is peacefully quiet, there are things going on in their heads that I don't want to deal with. I guarantee it. But do we pray for him? One more. For purpose. Why does God have you here? Seriously, why does God have you here? You ever thought about that? There's so many verses I could put here, but I'm just thinking of a few. 1 Corinthians where he says, I have placed each one in the body of Christ as a... I have saw fit to place him there. If you're in a body of Christ and you're here, I don't think it's an accident. 1 Corinthians 3 says, I have placed each one in the body as I have seen fit to place him there. It's not an accident. The reality is God has got you here for a reason. For a time, I don't know. But he has a reason. But what purpose does he have for you to fulfill? I used to every year, at least once a year, bring out my Jenga game. The colored blocks, and I like the colored blocks versus the plain, solid, white, colored wood blocks because it represents different people, different colors, different groups. But I've often laid it out in front of us as a church, and I pull a block from the bottom. Remember, each block represents a life that's here. And when someone says, well, I'm not significant, nobody would miss me doesn't really matter whether or not I'm here. Oh, I've been here for 10 years and it just doesn't seem like I matter. Oh, 10 years, you're kind of towards the bottom and I'll pull a block out of the bottom and it starts to... What happens to the body, the structure, when someone says, hey, I'm not necessary, and you yank them out? It weakens the body. It's a reminder that each of us are needed. Each of us contribute to the strength of the body. Each of us are necessary. In fact, sometimes when I do it, I have a few extra blocks laying around, and it's John 10. Other sheep have I that are not part of the fold that need to be brought in, and we'll grab one of those outside ones. What's it do to the body? It strengthens it when we add to it. Do we pray for purpose? That God would use you? That God would allow you right where you're at to be an instrumental part of this body? He said, what can God do with me? I have no idea. But you'll never know until you surrender to it. What will God do with you? Surrender and find out. You are necessary. You are needed. You are instrumental, every one of you, to this body. One other thought from Luke 18, 1 says he was telling them in a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray. So we looked at those things that we should be praying for, but, but he says one more thing. 
He says, and don't lose heart or don't faint. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because in the moment that we quit, you just may not see what God's about to do. I have found so many times in my life that God, even though I can't see what He's doing, He's in the background doing something I can't see and He's about to do something great. So don't lose heart. Don't faint. Don't quit. Through afflictions, don't quit. And whatever trials and afflictions you're going through in this world, they're going to end. So your back hurts. So your ear hurts. So your tooth aches. So your foot hurts. It's temporary. We don't want to look at it that way, but it is. It's temporary. (coughs) Through temptations. There are some people (coughs) that just struggle constantly with temptations. There are certain things that are just vices in their life. And I hear, I've even heard people say, well, it's not that big a deal, or I, I, I just can't, I'm not strong enough, so I just give in. No, don't give in. You don't quit. You just keep going. You don't stop. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Through disappointments, you don't quit. Anybody ever been disappointed? Every hand ought to be up. We've all been disappointed one time or another in our lives. He said, don't quit. That's what this literally means. Don't faint through disappointments, hardships, trials, through afflictions. Why? Let me give you two verses that talk about leadership. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-eight says, For the kingdom is Yahweh's and He rules over the nations. Does He really rule? Yep. He does. Because in the end, He wins. In the end, His will is accomplished. In the end, He's still on the throne. As someone said on Facebook the other day, I'm not sure if things will get back to, will ever return to normal, but Jesus is going to return one day, and that's going to be everything. Proverbs 21.1, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of Yahweh, and he turns it wherever he pleases. Can you imagine God having a hand that is so big, that is so strong, that he holds all the king's hearts right here in the palm of his hand. And he directs like channels of water whatever he pleases. Is God in control? You better believe it. You better believe it. Because anything that's happening in this world that we don't like, oh, trust me, they'll give an account. And as they stand before God, trust me, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. They will give an account. Because God's in control, ultimately. In Job chapter 12, verse 10, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Think about that. I mean, just let that really sink into your brains just for a minute. In whose hand is the life of every living thing? Do you realize that no matter what happens in this world around us, no matter who dies... I mean, think about it. Every day people wake up and are in accidents that they never planned. And just like, boom, their life is snuffed out and they're into eternity. And at that moment, there's not one thing they can do to change it. Not one thing. Because once it's done, it's over. But at that moment, 
they will stand before God. Was it Hebrews? It is appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. When our time is done, it's done. But he said, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, it's in God's hands. We aren't in control of everything that we think we're in control of. God's in control. So he says, pray always about everything. And as you're praying, don't give up. Don't lose heart. He's in control. If that doesn't give us hope, I don't know what does. It doesn't mean I have to like everything that's going on around me because I don't like a lot of what goes on around me. Anybody else relate? I don't like a lot of it. But it's okay. I can't change it, neither can you. So let's just be busy about praying and trusting God. And as we're doing that, share your story with people. That'll change things for some individuals. Are we willing to trust them? I hope that we are. But hopefully we learn some things about what it means to pray all the time, throughout the day, no matter what's going on, and for all the things that God is doing in our lives, to not give up. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. And Lord, help us to be honest about whether or not we're truly people of prayer. Lord, I pray that we would be honest about it. And Lord, if we're honest, maybe some of us have to admit that we don't pray as we ought. I pray, God, that if that's the case, Lord, that we would make a commitment, Lord, to change that in our lives. We would make a commitment, Lord, to become people of prayer and to pray for one another and to pray for all these things that we've discussed from your word. So, Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts. This has their bowed and eyes are closed. It just has for a moment that no one be looking around. Just an opportunity, as we say each and every week, to respond to the things that we've heard. To just take a moment and ask the question, God, how do you want me to respond to what I've heard from your word? How would God have you to respond? Does he want you to start praying more? Do you need to start praying more? Do you need to start praying specifically for some other things that you haven't been praying about? How does God want you to respond to the things that you've heard? You say, Pastor Ken, this morning God's challenged me. There's some things I need to be praying for. There's some things I need to be praying more often for. But God has challenged my heart. Would you pray for me this morning? Anyone like that? Yes. 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 In the middle, the back, the sides, the front. Many of us. Can I challenge you to start right this moment? right here where you're at. Because James tells us, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. Take a moment and say, God, forgive me for not spending more time with you. God, forgive me for not praying as I ought. And God, help me to do it more and more faithfully. I'm not talking about just a set time in our day. Maybe that works for you. But I'm just talking about being in the spirit of prayer. That no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going, no matter what you see, no matter what you encounter, no matter what takes place, you're just simply able to, at that moment, say, God, I need your help. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need you to forgive me. God, I need you to help me. You fill in the blank. Just conversation with God. Just start right this moment. If God has challenged you, right this moment, make a commitment to God that you're going to pray more. 
get to know him more. Talk with him more. And know that he'll, he's there. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So take some time and just draw close to him. He says, if you draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. He says that over and over. Get close to God. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as you already have. Continue, Lord, as we leave this place. Lord, I pray that we would become people of prayer. Lord, that we would truly bring all these things before your throne. And God, know that you're in control of these things. And God, that you'll help us, that you'll be with us, that you'll strengthen us, that you'll answer. And Lord, may we be faithful and consistent, Lord, to draw close to you. And we'll praise you for it. And be with each one who raised their hand and their heart towards you this morning, Lord. May they sense your presence in their lives this week as they spend more time with you. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.